What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Lost Lifting Talk. We're going to hop into a Q&A episode today, but before we get into that, I just want to briefly touch on something that's been going on in my personal life for the last maybe week or so that I've really noticed it, and chances are if I'm struggling with something or something's going on in my life, chances are there's one of you out there listening to this it could be going through the same sort of thing and from time to time I find myself putting too much pressure on myself too much pressure when it comes to maybe it's my fitness my workouts my nutrition my business just thinking that everything should be going perfectly and just go 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 to where you build up so much anxiety and work that you don't take enough time to appreciate everything else around you and just appreciate where we are, right? Just appreciate living and being wherever it is that you are. And that might sound woo-woo, but what I've found is that whenever I get away from meditation and just being very intentional for three to five minutes per day to be conscious of my conscience, if that makes sense, to become more self-aware of myself and where my thoughts are going and what I'm trying to control. When I learn to let go of that through just short meditations, maybe three to five minutes consistently each day, I am so much clearer, so much more focused, and my anxiety is red. As I sat down here to record this podcast today, and this morning I've been going, doing emails, talking with clients, talking with my wife, just getting different things all set up and we're coming to the end of the week here. I haven't taken the time this week to just become present and just relax a little bit and find my own flow state. And so as I sat down, I just been go, go, go. And I sat down like, man, like I don't, I don't feel like I even have any energy to record this podcast today. Like I don't even know how to get on and how to start talking. So I was like, I just decided, okay, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to meditate for just a second. And then I'm just going to get on the mic and talk for a second just to get out the jitters or the anxiety that I'm having because I start sit down to record an episode. And I'm on an episode almost like 80 maybe. We're in the 70s or the 80s. I'm not quite sure as we're sitting here in which episode this is. But I've been doing this for quite some time. It doesn't necessarily make me nervous anymore. But if I don't take care of my thoughts and the anxieties that I have, everything just compiles on top of one another and things that maybe gave me anxiety at one point start to come back and I'm having that again. So the point here is simple, is that take some time for yourself and don't put too much pressure on yourself. Those are two very important things. At the end of the day, life is a blessing and I think sometimes we start to take it far too serious and we do put too much pressure on ourselves and we do go, 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 go. And that's just kind of the way of life. It's kind of the way of life for a lot of us. But at the same time, if you count your blessings and if you can sit and just be still with yourself every now and again and create some perspective, I think you can drastically change your life. It's helped me tremendously in the last few months. And I know I've talked about this a little bit, but as I've hired a new mentor to help me tackle some of these issues as an entrepreneur, as a husband, as a father, and just as a man in general, just learning to 
deal with your emotions instead of ignore your emotions is a game changer. It's completely changed my life in a lot of ways to instead of run from them and run from my anxieties and always just think that I need to power through, but instead to become aware of them and to deal with them in terms of meditation, in terms of talking with people about them instead of just holding them in, it's been a, a complete game changer for me. And this week, I've gotten away from it a little bit, and I haven't held myself as accountable as I have for the last few months, and I've really noticed everything to come back on and to, to start building up anxieties again and to start building up stress and nervousness and different things that I was working on and getting over, but again, as I stopped doing it, I lose it very fast. And that's the same thing for our fitness and our health, right? There's never an ending journey to where you get and it's like, okay, I've done this. I've conquered fitness or I've conquered my body. No, it's it's going forever. And to bring this full circle and kind of wrap up this little talk or rant, whatever you want to call it at the first of this podcast, your self-development is the same thing. Your mental self-development and your fitness, your health as your body, the development is that of that are very, very similar things. There's no destination. There's always improvements to be made. There's always new things to be conquering. And even if you get to a level, there's always another level. Because if you stop, you're going to lose where you're at extremely fast. So you've just got to realize this is a long game. Don't put too much pressure on yourself. You're going to mess up at times. I've messed up this week. I haven't taken care of myself mentally as as probably as good as I should have. And I started to get the repercussions from it. But as I build some awareness around it and realize what I'm doing and realize maybe why I'm not feeling as good or as confident or as clear, if I can just make that one adjustment and just get back on track, things can start to clear up and I can get on the right path again and just keep going and keep building. But if you just keep ignoring it and letting those problems compound, well, then you end up in a situation that you've got to take a long time to dig yourself out of because you start to lose those good habits that you've created. And exact same thing when it comes to your body, right? So sorry for the rant to start this. I just feel like this, something that was on my mind and something that I wanted to talk about because it's, it's extremely similar to fitness, your body and training, right? When it comes to your mental health too. And I've, I've been open about dealing with anxieties and different things on this podcast. And I think it's important to sometimes talk about, it. and it's good for me to put my vulnerabilities out there because when you start talking about your insecurities, this crazy thing happens as to where you stop being so insecure about them because an insecurity in the first place is being nervous or shy about something that you don't want other people to know about. So when you are just proactive towards those insecurities and talk about them, you get more confident around them and realize they're not as big of a deal and they don't control you because you're not being insecure about it because you're being open about it, which is kind of contradicting, but it really works. I've done that through posting things as well on on Instagram, just writing a post about all of my insecurities. And lo and behold, the more that I do that and the more that I talk about it, the more that I share them, the less insecure I am about them and I have better ways of handling them and that they aren't nearly as bad. So I challenge you guys to do that same thing. It doesn't mean you have to post them on social media and different things like that. Obviously I do a lot of social media stuff because that's what I do for 
a career. I've built my brand through social media and that's how I've built up my coaching business. So I spend a lot of time there and it's a place for me to share and to write and to be creative and things like that. But if that's not your dig, that's completely fine too. The, the, it still applies. You can talk with friends about your insecurities. You can talk to your parents about it. You can talk to your spouse about it. You can talk to anybody about it. And as the same principle applies. The more open you are about it and sharing, the less insecure you're going to be with those problems as well. So I know this was a super deep way to begin this podcast, but it's just something that I wanted to share to give you guys a little bit more insight into my brain and to my life and some of the things that I struggle with sometimes too. So anyway, today is a Q&A podcast. So that is exactly what we're going to get into. But before we do that, if you guys have questions in your own journeys, I've been receiving a lot of questions lately and I absolutely love it. So if you have questions that you would like to ask for me to email you back and just give you some help, some advice, some answers, please, my email is always linked down below. You can shoot me an email there, ask me your questions. I am more than happy to respond and just to help you as good as I can, as as well as I can. And then if there are questions that I feel like are relevant to others that I could bring onto the podcast, I will absolutely bring those on and answer them here in even further depth. I wouldn't, I won't answer your, or I won't mention your name or expose you or anything like that. I'll just bring those questions on to help everybody if it's something that may help more than just yourself that's more relevant. So if you do have questions, feel free to shoot me an email. Again, I'm always linked down below or else on Instagram, you can always shoot me a DM there too and ask me your questions as well. So I really do appreciate you guys. Let's just hop in today's episode. All right, question number one is a bit of a long one. She gave me a lot of detail here, but it's a really good one. I think it's really relevant probably to a lot of you that listen to this podcast. So here we go. I'm at my goal body weight of 116 pounds, and according to the calculator, that means I should be eating about 1,400 calories a day. I currently have been eating around 1,500 a day, but my focus right now is to gain muscle. I have lost about 25 pounds from my heaviest weight over a year ago, and I am definitely gaining a lot of muscle, but I know in order for it to show more in my stomach, I need to lose more body fat. But going down on my calories even more seems like it will be too little of calories. My question is at 116 pounds and 1,500 calories a day, can I still gain muscle the way I want and eventually show more? I've been consistently strength training for about two weeks now. Before that, I did insanity and core workouts on Beachbody, and that really helped get the weight off, but I want to tone up now. Can I get there just staying consistent with 1,500 calories and continue weight training? That is a really good question. It was deep. You gave me a lot of information there, and I appreciate all the information because it helps me be able to dive into your situation even more. First and foremost, you said that a calculator told you that you should be eating around 1,400 calories per day. I'll go ahead and just tell you now, I think that that's bullshit. No calculator knows how much you should be eating. A calculator just takes into your weight, your gender, your age, your height, different things like that, and then spits out a number for you. But again, your how much you should be eating, your metabolism is very dependent on your dieting history, on the state of your hormones, on your training, on so on just you your genetics just so many factors that a calculator can't tell you exactly how much you should be eating now sounds like you lost a good lo- a, lo- a good amount of weight and this happens with a lot of ladies you'll have a goal weight you'll reach that goal weight and then when you get to that goal weight you're like well oh crap i don't actually look the way that i want to yes i'm skinnier yes i've hit this body weight that i wanted to hit but i planned on looking a whole lot different once i got here and you realize that Well, I was doing a lot of cardio. I was eating really low calories, so I lost a lot of weight really fast. But most women that I deal with have a goal of looking toned. And when I say toned, all that I mean is building some muscle 
and losing some body fat. You To be toned, you have to have some muscle mass and you have to be able to lean enough body fat percentage to show that off to create the defined look or to show some definition from the muscle that you've created. So in your situation, it sounds like you've only been strength training for a couple weeks. Here's what I would tell you. I would split this up into a couple different phases and this is what I'm doing with a few of them. The women that I've signed up just recently that are in a very, very similar situation to you. What we're going to start out doing is, and this is what I would suggest for you, is to start out by continue strength training. You've only been doing it for two weeks. Your body is going to be extremely adaptive to the strength training because it's not something that you've been doing consistently. And again, you don't want to just be doing a bunch of different random workouts. Get on a solid strength training program that's going to have progression schemes programmed in so that you're doing relatively the same workouts for four-week blocks or so and you're building up your strength in those workouts to make sure that you're building up your body inside of those workouts too and you're not just always going in and doing random lightweight workouts that are really just burning calories and not actually helping you build any muscle. So you need to build your strength base and you need to start progressing that and building it over time to make your body actually start progressing and putting on some muscle as well. But to do that in terms of your calories, I would sit somewhere around a maintenance level. And I don't know your body perfectly. I don't know your job. I don't know your dieting history perfectly. But I would say you're going to want to push your calories probably a little bit higher for a 12-week period or so. And this doesn't mean you're going to want to go crazy, but I would push to the top end of your maintenance, maybe even just a slight, slight surplus to give your body the best ability to put on some muscle mass over a 12-week period. And then as you do that and you get on a really solid training program that's helping you progress and you stay consistent for a 12-week period to where you're eating enough protein, maybe you're gaining maybe around two pounds per month. So you put on maybe six pounds over, let's say, a three-month period. That's about a fourth of a pound per week, which is very tedious. I would look at it over a month span and then try for that around two pounds per month. Um, as long as you're progressively strength training, that's going to put you in the best position to build muscle throughout that time period. Now that you've done that, let's say maybe you're up closer to 120 pounds at this point. Well, now you're in a really good position. Your metabolism is really, really strong because you've upped calories. You put yourself into just the slightest of surplus for a little bit amount of time. Now you're in a really good position to drop calories back down to, let's say, 1,500-ish and you'll start dropping body fat off of your body while maintaining that lean muscle mass that you've created, and you'll create that tone look that you're wanting. So you've got to split it up into a couple phases is what I would suggest. Start out with a building phase, 12-week block, build muscle as much as you can, eat a little bit more food, make sure you're getting enough protein in each day, and once you hit that goal, you've progressed over a 12-week period in your training, now you're in a really good position to go into a cut drop any body fat that you have. And then when you're back to around the same body weight that you're at right now, let's say around 116 pounds or so, now you're going to look the way that you probably wanted to look. And then again, you can keep rinsing and repeating that process until you get your body to where you want it. And then from there, you can just learn how to maintain it. But this is where people get this so wrong too, right? Is people want to think, well, I just want to take 12 weeks and look my all time best. But you've got to remember there's a periodization factor to your nutrition, to your training to get you to where you want to be. You can't always just put on muscle and always lose body fat and always just tone like that at the exact same time if you have a bigger goal of, of building more muscle and being leaner. Sometimes it takes these phases of going through a muscle building phase and then at the end of it, then going through a, a cutting phase to where we're dropping body fat to actually get you to where you want to be. This is more of a 24-week period. But if you do this and split it up into two different sections over that 24-week time frame, 
you're going to look a million times better than if you just try to go at both of them at the same time and just kept calories low because you're not going to be able to build muscle quite as quickly. So I hope that this helps. Again, I would split it up into those two phases and you're going to be in a much better position as well as I always do have the FFD program that is tailored towards females in your exact position. So if you're looking for around three to four strength workouts per week that show you how to progress, show you how much weight to be using, optimize for the female body to be able to put muscle on, I would highly suggest purchasing FFD. It's always linked down below. It's just the perfect program to get you set up to make sure that you're making the most progress possible inside of this first 12-week period to make sure you're building muscle. And then you could even repeat the program as you go into the cut, again, just to make sure you're retaining as much muscle as possible. So it could really be ran for a 24-week period, and that would set you up in a really good situation to make sure you're achieving that look that you're wanting within that 24-week time frame. All right, question number two. I'm looking to certify with NASM. I want to know if you had a different one that might be better. So NASM is just a personal trainer certification that you can get for new trainers that are looking to get into the industry. I actually got certified with NASM and I thought that it was a very good certification. It was really good. But here's the thing when it comes to certifications. They're a business in themselves. And so just getting a I just getting a certification doesn't necessarily qualify you to be that great of a personal trainer. Now, I think it's a great place to start to start building your knowledge, but there's a lot of other places that I'd be looking to keep building your knowledge too. It doesn't just, you don't just get a certification like, okay, now I'm a great trainer and I'm qualified to start training whoever I want to. Honestly, everything that I learned through the certifications that I've taken have really just been overviews of everything that I've learned beforehand. And if you've been into nutrition and the training, you're probably going to just see a lot of reviews in the search that you are taking. And that doesn't mean that they're bad. It's good to be qualified. It's good to invest into yourself in that way. But at the same time, you should be studying. You should be reading books. You should always be continuing to learn regardless of your certifications. I know I know people that have zero certifications that are a million times more knowledgeable than people who have a ton of certifications. It all comes down to what you do after you get that certification that will make you a good personal trainer or a nutritionist, whatever it may be that your goal is um, at the end of the day. So like for myself, I am continuously studying day after day after day. And I have plenty of certifications. I could just throw those up and say, I'm good to go. I'm, I'm certified, but there's so much new research coming out all of the time, every single week, every single month, there's new studies coming out that are changing the view and the landscape of training and nutrition in some ways. Now there's always going to be the principles to training. There's always going to be the principles to nutrition that never change, but there's always going to be the methods inside that, Research is always showing us different ways to go about things to achieve the overall principle, maybe in a more efficient manner. And so what I'm saying is continue studying and continue investing in yourself afterwards. As far as books go that I would read that are going to teach you everything that you're going to learn in those certifications as far as how to apply training and nutrition to people, I would highly suggest reading the Strength, the Nutrition and Strength Pyramids by Dr. Eric Helms. He has been very influential on my coaching career as well as a lot of other evidence-based coaches in the space that are really good coaches. He kind of set the landscape for, for a lot of us. And those books 
walk you through nutrition. They walk you through training without being confusing. He really breaks down the science and shows you how to apply it in an applicable way to the people that you work with to give you the confidence that you know what you're doing and you're actually helping people because you're using the same evidence-based practices that the people at the top of the industry are using as well. And sadly, when it comes to certifications, this isn't always the case because a lot of the times they are quite behind and they don't give you applicable things, applicable ways to program for clients in ways that are going to keep programming fun, interesting, and at the end of the day, result-based. They're going to teach you how the body moves and different things that are all very, very important to being a good trainer as well. But again, you need science and research that you can go apply to people to help them in a practical manner. And that's why you should always be learning the research and always be studying and always be asking the questions as you are studying, how can I apply this in a way that is practical? And so at the end of the day, the NASM certification, it's great. I'm certified through them. I'm certified for nutrition through Precision Nutrition, both great certifications. But at the end of the day, that's just the the bottom of the totem pole. You've got to keep learning. I would definitely read those books by Eric Helms, The Nutrition and Strength Pyramids. They are amazing books. They're a little bit spendy, but they will be worth your money. I promise you that. And then subscribing to research reviews. So I am part of the mass research review, which every single month, there's a bunch of studies that come out and these guys go take the top studies and then they dissect them and review those studies and break them down in a way that's easier for just the normal person to read, to be able to digest it and understand how to apply those studies or even understand if they are applicable or if not. But there's always new studies coming out that are changing the way that programs are developed, changing the way that maybe we think about nutrition with people, changing the importance of this or of that and deciding what does somebody actually need to create the result that they are looking for. And I'm very big on, at the end of the day, giving somebody the minimal amount of tasks to create the maximal result that they are looking for. Let that sink in. When you're helping somebody, You should be giving them the minimal amount needed to create the maximal result that they want because that's what's going to be most sustainable in the long run. If you're super into nutrition and super into training, sometimes I think we can go down to the rabbit hole of trying to optimize everything, which has its time and has its place for certain individuals, but the people that you'll find that you're helping aren't as obsessed with nutrition, aren't as obsessed with training. They just want to know how to get the result and fit it into their lifestyle in a way that is sustainable, which comes down to the principles and learning how to adhere to those principles. It doesn't mean you have to have your meal timing optimized perfectly. It doesn't mean that you need to do the maximal amount of volume in your workouts to create the maximal amount of growth in each and every session. No, you need the minimal amount of volume with the most efficient program that's the shortest amount of time so you can get in and out, but still going to create the best result possible. Inside of your nutrition, you need to be hitting the big principles like staying consistent with your calorie intake, hitting your protein intake, periodizing that nutrition over the years so that you're not always in a deficit or you're not always in a surplus to make sure you're you're recomping your body year after year. So I would just caution you when it comes to certifications, Don't just think, I'm going to get the certification, now I'm qualified. Make sure you're always doing your research. Make sure you're always learning. And with time, you'll get better and better and better. But if you just hang your hat on a certification, you're doing yourself a disservice and you're doing your future clients a disservice because usually that certification is just 
the tip of the iceberg. It's not the, the foundation that that your career should be set on. So hopefully this helps. I know you just asked about a certification, but I wanted to clarify that. I don't think certifications are the end-all be-all by any means. You have a bigger duty to yourself and a bigger duty to your clients to continue learning and to continue investing in yourself to really understand everything that you're doing to be able to help the people that, that invest into you the best that you can. All right, and the last question that we're going to answer today What are the best exercises for people who have bad knees? I struggle with lunges and squats, but still want to work lower body. It's a good question. When it comes to bad knees, there are a few things that you can look at. One thing that I would look at doing that I do with, well, that I used to do with a lot of the older clients that I work with in person is we would try seated squats. It takes the torque off of your knees so it's not quite as uncomfortable, meaning as you bend down, You'll bend down into, sit into a seat, and then you'll step back up out of that seat. That just takes some of that pressure off of your knees. It's going to make it a whole lot better. So as far as like a knee extension type movement that's more knee dominant, that would be the one that I would suggest the most is starting with seated squats. You could do it in like a a goblet variation. And generally the seat, you want to be about knee height, maybe just shy of knee height, or you could be just above knee height. If if it still hurts your knees, I would start above knee height um, and test it out. And again, if that still hurts your knees, probably not the best choice in the world either. I've just found that to take a little bit of pressure off of the knees. Um, So I would definitely start with some sort of a seated squat to be able to work your quads, it's more of a knee dominant movement. But then again, you have all of the hip hinge movements that aren't going to hurt your knees whatsoever. And I would argue that most people ignore the hip hinge movements compared to the knee dominant movements when it comes to lower body days. So for hip hinges, you have things like deadlifts, straight leg deadlifts, Romanian deadlifts, reverse hyperextensions. Um, you could do, this isn't a hip hinge movement, but you could do a leg curl, a lying leg curl. All of these different types of movements are going to work your glutes. They're going to work your hamstrings, parts of the leg that a lot of the time are actually neglected, which can lead to knee issues and different things like that. Because if you don't have strong hamstrings, the hamstring is a stabilizer to the knee, which is actually going to help strengthen your knees over time. I would argue, and I've seen that with a lot of people too. So Um, movements like that will be very beneficial as well as you could do things like hip thrusts, glute bridges, kickbacks, all that kind of stuff is going to be totally fine for you to do on the lower body. That isn't going to affect your knees at all, because again, you're going to be working the posterior chain, which doesn't involve the knees whatsoever. So again, seated squats, I would start with those maybe above knee height to begin to where you sit down into the squat, take the pressure off your knees, then you can explode back up. I've just found those to to really help with people with knee issues to be able to still be able to train your quads to some sort of an extent. And then all of that posterior work is going to be super beneficial. You'll grow some decent glutes, some strong hamstrings, and it'll even be good for your lower back in a lot of scenarios as well. So all of that is what I would definitely suggest for bad knee. That is going to wrap up today's podcast. If you found value from this episode, I'd be super appreciative if you could take a screenshot and share it on your IG story or just send a link via email, via text to a friend or somebody that you know could benefit from this just to help grow the podcast and get more listeners tuning in over time. So I really do appreciate you guys. If you do have questions, like I mentioned before, drop them in my email, link down below. I'm there to help with whatever it is that you need. I'll talk with you soon.